if you're listening, you can join in on the sadness, but this will be Freddie's last time being our producer. I know you're just getting to know him. We have our reasons. It had nothing to do with Freddie's great producer. So everyone in the notes and us as well, we'll give a nice little golf. Show your love, Freddie. Yeah. Thank uh, you guys. Thank it. you. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. that. Appreciate you guys. <laughs> Forever wow. immortalized in Spotify now. I think a lot of mortgage brokers are also drummers. And from what I remember, Freddie teaches drum lessons. So we could bring back Skype and drumming in one big episode. That's the perfect tie-in right there. Yeah, I'm a drummer. There you go. (laughs) The perfect plug. Yeah. Hello and welcome back to another... What I hope is, I mean, I'm hoping, I'm feeling good. I don't know what you are, so I'm feeling good. I think it's going to be one of our best episodes yet. What are we at, 12 now, I think? Something like Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at yeah. the notes here. Yeah, 12, episode 12. I know that it was like, what, 99% of, oh, it was like 90% of podcasts don't make it to 10. How many make it to 12? Is there like a, is yeah, that a like <laughs> Less than a third of a percent or something. We're, we're yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. I listened yeah, to the last two podcasts on my own when I had some free time and I was jamming to it. I hope everyone's liking them, but they were a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. They're, last they're fun. Yo, I had a baby shower this weekend and one of my, one of my wife's good friends, her husband, who's now become a friend of mine, said he listened to the podcast and he was loving it. And I was just, that was like the highlight of the baby shower for me. Forget about all the... <laughs> The well wishes of <laughs> of baby of gifts all these, and all this baby gifts and all this is like no, it was someone someone being a fanboy of our podcast. So you know who you are if you're listening to this. I don't know if it was just a one off or not, but but you made my day. So let me see if I can make yours with a with an awesome episode here. Um, tell in his face he like he wasn't even like just kidding around or anything like no, I think it really he wasn't changed. just being nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's a mortgage I, tech guy now, so. And then I was, yeah, they took a picture and they're like, oh, you know, we'll put it on InstaFace or whatever. And I was like, can you take the pod? Like, can you do a collaboration like Instagram to Spotify? Does that? Yeah, they have like 600 followers and we're we're growing, (laughs) but we're not there yet. So we were hoping for a little boost, but it's just a personal account of them showing walking their dog. So, oh, Freddie's got a fact here for us. 90% 90% of podcasts don't get past episode three of the remaining 10, 90 don't make it past 20. All right. So okay. we're okay. on our way. Yeah. But 20 is the number. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Awesome, man. Well, yeah. So we actually, we were down in beautiful Austin, Texas, pretty close to Freddie, actually. Freddie didn't want to make the five hour. Well, I say close, but he's on the border. So I think it would have been like a six hour drive, but Freddie didn't want to make the drive to see us. I don't know. I don't know what to think of that, to be honest. I would have, I would have driven. Well, I don't know if I would have driven five hours to see Freddie, actually. Yeah. I don't know. Well, but. we should also mention that this is, if you're listening, you can join in on the sadness, but this will be Freddie's last time being our producer. I know you're just getting to know him. We have our reasons. It had nothing to do with Freddie's great producer. So everyone in the notes and us as well. We'll give a nice little golf. Show your love. Ready? Yeah. Thank uh, you guys. Thank it. you. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. that. Appreciate you guys. <laughs> Forever no, immortalized yeah. in Spotify now. Yeah. No, he'll be a guest for sure. At least. Oh, yeah. At least once a year. It'll be like a banner episode when we when we bring Freddie back. It'll be like our top I episode think, each year. I think a lot of mortgage brokers are also drummers. And from what I remember, Freddie <laughs> teaches drum lessons. So we could bring back Skype and drumming in one big episode. 
that's yeah. the perfect tie-in right there yeah i'm a drummer there you go <laughs> the perfect plug yeah. yeah well i guess we should get into the nitty-gritty of it here so i was looking at host sigma i don't know host sigma i think is the top app in canada right now i i know that some other some other folks are making a run of them but i think they're the top app right now in canada for for real estate stats i think at least in terms of usage you know you can debate the accuracy of the stats and all those different things but in terms of just pure numbers usage i think it's number one i think that properly is making a run or um, thinking about what they can do to compete with that but right now at least house sigma is number one and we were looking at it i think when we were down in texas looking at it and yes. you know the little the little line on the chart goes as everyone knows it went up in 2021 this is house prices up in 2021 started coming down pretty quickly kind of this is gta but i think it's indicative of most of canada maybe not calgary but bear with me here spring market last year we saw a little spike two new rate cuts came in and it's just been kind of a little downward downward trend since until february 2024 it is the first month i know we're only about a weekend but it's the first month in probably a year to see a spike and it's not just a small spike it's a, it seems to be a pretty pretty juicy spike and well there's a lot that goes into that and, and a lot to, to think about as a mortgage broker going into that but i guess before we get into what that means for our broker and, and the technology they use you know <clears throat> what are you hearing i guess from from folks like are you hearing this that hey these these prices are starting to take off is this maybe just a weird anomaly on the house sigma app that you know it's a week and it's gonna it's gonna mellow out later this month like what's your what's your sense yeah i mean i i've started to hear some mumbling and one broker in particular up in up in barry i was watching one of his instagrams and he was talking about the fact like he was relating to bond yields and the fixed mortgage rates and basically saying there's movement there that is suggesting that rates will move in general, variable rates. And so with that, I think people are starting to get their ducks in a row and get back on the market and actually start shopping. Although, frankly, rates have not formally come down. <laughs> They've ha- uh, But basically, right. it's the early warning signs of a, a pleasant future, I guess, in terms of rates being low. So I am hearing it. A lot of brokers are are really focusing on tell, like educating clients, and we'll talk a bit about that today, but like educating clients that this is step one of a transition back to, I mean, I don't think we're ever going to go back to 1.9 or whatever it was or lower, but anyways, yeah. So I am hearing mumbles of it. Yeah. yeah it's, you know, it's a really kind of crazy thing right now. I think, you know, earlier this year, the bond market was pricing in like six cuts. <laughs> now it's three cuts. And it's like it was, you know, over the course of a couple of months, these these projections have changed so quickly. So it's really hard to say, but I think the general consensus, it feels like at least, and this is completely unscientific, but the work, the kind of the feeling on the street at least is that these cuts are coming. And I think what's happening then is that actually the savvy borrower buyer is trying to front load them, right? To say, hey, I remember what happened back in the spring when we just paused. We didn't even cut, but we just paused. And and things kind of took off and it took two more rate hikes just to pause that or to, to get in front of that. I want to be in front of that. I think that's what's going to happen this year. And I want to be a buyer before that spike happens. So that's what I'm hearing a lot, but I'm also hearing that so they do it and then they go and you know talk to their mortgage broker, or whatever it is, and they see what they're approved for. And it kind of takes their wind out of their sales a little bit because the reality is the rates are still high, like especially on the variable side. You know, rates are what they've the highest they've ever been, right? Still. So there's a lot of enthusiasm, some optimism. 
but the you know when the rubber hits the road the, the rates are still are still high right and i think it's you know hurting people's affordability a bit so i guess i mean before we get again i promise we'll get to the tech side of things but what do you think that does in terms of of sellers right i mean i guess we talked a little bit about buyers but how are how are we deal more with the buyers, I guess, with the mortgage brokers that we work with. But I guess, do you have any sense of kind of where the sellers are or maybe just a, just a gut? How do you think people are feeling about this market? I think a lot of people are still sitting on their homes and not necessarily putting them up just because they don't, like, I'm just thinking of my area where a lot came up a little while ago. They didn't really move. And then they just stopped coming up. And some of them just sat there for a while. Them as like, right. houses, probably like House. within yeah. a three block radius, probably six houses went up, maybe one sold and now nothing's happened. So my gut, and I think this is what we're seeing is like, I don't think supply is like booming. People are sitting on yeah. it being like, okay, I, I can't get what I think I should get. And the buyers are like, I can't afford what I think I could afford. Uh, yeah, of the exactly. Rate. So right. it's yeah. kind of like this weird stalemate still, although like you said, the data is suggesting prices are going up. It's not really what you would think in the sense of a lot moving. It's not really moving. Yeah. Inventory anyways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like things are up, but it's all relative. Like it's still down versus 2021 and so the buyers in 2021, they're not selling because they don't want to sell at a loss. Yeah. But it's also like a mental thing, right? It's like, okay, even if I bought in 1990, I knew my house was worth a million bucks. Like my neighbor sold for a million bucks in 2021. I don't want to sell for 800,000. It doesn't matter that I bought it at 100,000 30 years ago. Everyone's yeah. still anchored, I think, to those 2021 prices, right? So yeah, it's this it's this weird stalemate. And where does that leave us? I think a lot of buyers, not a lot of sellers, and that means low inventory, and that means you know prices going up. So, let's get into the nitty gritty of kind of you know the what we're seeing with with our clients being mortgage brokers who are helping these borrowers, and you know what what can they be doing to to kind of take advantage? You know, we're going to the spring market that everyone's saying is going to be busy. We'll see. I think it will be, but we'll see. And, and busyness, you know gives opportunity for efficiencies too, right? To, to use systems to, to get efficient. And so with all this activity, one thing I see, I've been seeing a lot or I've been hearing a lot is, hey, pre-approvals are, are way up, right? To say, okay, yeah, everyone's getting excited, get, doing a ton of pre-approvals. And in the same breath, they say, yeah, but, but they're just not buying anything, right? I mean, it kind of corroborates what we were saying earlier. And so where that, I see a lot of people kind of where that circles for me is to talk about, okay, what are you, what do you do with those pre-approvals? I think brokers are obviously really good at, you know, bringing in pre-approvals. Maybe it's from a realtor. Maybe it's just people reaching out. They have great, you know, bank contacts, you know, this is, this is their bread and butter, but then they pre-approve them and, and they're off in the, in the ether, so to speak, right? It's like, Hey, you're pre-approved for, for X, call me, call me when you see, find a house. And well, sometimes they call, sometimes they don't, sometimes many things happen in between. So What's kind of your tips there in that scenario? Us? Yeah, it, it's funny. Like I, I don't do a ton of blue mortgage demos, which is our CRM anymore. But when I do, honestly, the demo revolves around this whole pre-approval idea. And people are so excited that we have something in there to try to help with that. And so my point is, yeah, it, it's massive right now. And a lot of brokers are not following up. They might do 10 or more pre-approvals in a month. And then they just hope the buyer remembers them and doesn't walk into their bank to get a new debit yeah. card and sign with TD or whatever, right? So the name of the game there is you got to keep touching your clients. That is it something i It doesn't have to be complicated, seeing. right? No. Like it's not, no. yeah. 
Like if you were to see our touch points in our CRM, it's literally maybe 40 words, two or three sentences, (laughs) just kind of saying like, have you found a house yet? Don't forget about me. It's a little more intense than that. Maybe some other uh, words. That was about 20 words. So (laughs) another 20 fillers, but yeah. That's the thing. And like often buyers that not only will it remind them that you're there, but it'll also kick them in the butt to go look as well. And so the, that, that is something very important that not a lot of brokers do. And I bet you, if you did, you'd probably convert 20% better or more than what you were before. Unfortunately, a lot of people are getting pre-approvals right now and not really that serious from what I'm hearing. They're just kind of looking because they hear rates are coming down, seeing what they can afford. They're still sitting on cash, but anyways, stay in front. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So inevitably in that scenario, it's like, conversions will be tough because there's just a lot of, for lack of, I don't want to say tire kickers, right? But people are like, hey, what could I buy, right? And you yeah. do all this work, you jump through all these hoops, you know, and, and who knows what happened. And so inevitably those conversions will be low. So, you know, you may be getting a high volume here, but a lower volume on the back end. You also want to make sure it's at least a little bit automated because you have the best intent. Yeah, I'm going to follow up every month. I'm going to call them and see how they're doing. But, you know, for someone who's not so serious, maybe they're not picking up your phone call because they don't care, you know, maybe you call it, you do get through to a lot of people where they just say, yeah, I just haven't had time to look. And so getting it a little bit on autopilot, I think now more than most markets is going to serve you just to be able to, you know, get in there and make sure that it's not taking a ton of your time. You are showing the follow-up, you are showing the care, but you're not, I'd say wasting your time because it's never a waste, but, you know, spending a lot of time on people who might not be so serious, right? So I think that's, yeah, I mean, that's one thing. I guess on the pre-approval side too, one thing I've seen a top broker, and this is top, top. This is like if you get get the basics in, right? Just kind of do basic follow-ups, like do a monthly check-in. It's not, it can be as simple as that. But what I've seen at the next tier up is then getting a little bit smart based on the buyer, right? Okay, if you're a first-time home buyer, I'm going to talk about this. If you're an investor, I'm going to talk about that. If you're, I don't know, just looking to buy a cottage, maybe, I don't know what it would be, second property, uh, vacation home, that sort of thing then you can tweak those templates. But that's more like down the line, right? To be able to say. And and honestly, for people listening, if they're saying, oh, it sounds like a lot of work. Well, it can be. And so just start with the simple stuff too, right? I mean, that's something we always say. Yeah, like I've seen some brokers get very advanced with their pre-approvals, make all these fancy PDFs that send out and all that. Like yeah. you don't need to go there. If you've got <laughs> nothing right now, like at the very yeah. least, ha- actually, no, this is a horrible solution. Get a CRM. I was going to say, use an Excel file say? and email people, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, you're going to forget. So I remember I had not a great experience with the broker I worked with just because like they kind of told me over the phone and I'm like, well, do I get a document or an email or anything? And they're like, no, nah, just go shop. Here's your budget. And luckily at the time <laughs> I had like personal pressures to get a house, but if I didn't, I probably would have forgot. So yeah. 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 And the other thing about this is kind of, I mean, depends how each broker wants to play it. But I also, we see the scenario too, where people, you know, you do the pre-approval and they actually, <laughs> it's not as much as they thought, right? They, they thought it was more. Yes. And and for that reason, um, you know, sometimes they, you know, you say X, hey, you can afford X. And then they start talking to their realtor and then their realtor maybe gets them excited and don't doesn't maybe know that they even got a pre-approval and says, hey, no, we can, I think we can stretch you to this or that. And and then two months go by and then you do get it back and it's, you know, 1.5 X. What do you pre-approved them for? Just, I think, given the dynamics of the market right now and and then you're, you know, between a rock and a hard place. So, yeah, I mean, I think other things we've seen PDF wise, but honestly, it can be as simple too, is just 
also keeping the realtor involved, right? Be able to work with your clients and say, okay, well, who are you working with? And then giving them maybe a more formal document to say, hey, this is the pre-approval. And honestly, if you come back with a purchase price that's higher than this, we can't guarantee it, right? You know, you can kind of choose whatever verbiage you want to say there, but the more you can get different professionals in, it's going to serve your client, but it's also going to serve you professionally, right? You don't want that realtor then turning around and getting mad at you saying, well, what the heck? You told my client this and you said, oh, no, I didn't. And it's this weird back and forth. You know, if you can get that direct line to the realtor and and be smart about how you communicate with them, that's that's going to help you too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've heard stories of that where, well, one story where, yeah, the person basically or the broker said, hey, you're pre-approved for 700, for example. And they went and told the realtor 700 or around 700, but no sheet of paper or anything. So the realtor just found a house for 758. I think the story I'm thinking of, it was quite a bit higher. And it ended up being a whole mess because they went in with no financing conditions. And so that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, Yeah. like you, you, Tom's point is so true. Like educate all the players in the transaction, the realtor and the client then the likelihood of things going bad is very low. Yeah, and, and like I said, it protects you and your client and, and the relationship maybe you have with that realtor, right? Like the realtor doesn't know everything that's going on and you know you don't know how they're going to react and maybe they busted their butt to get this sale and it was this crazy thing and you know the clients were up and down that they are pre-approved for X and that wasn't the case and they come to you and you know it's a scenario like yours where it looks like the deal might fall through and they I don't know if they lost their deposit in that scenario, Mass, but... You know, that's just a whole shit show that's going to make the realtor look bad, you know, if it's if it's not done right. And so so getting in front of it is is huge. Yeah, this one actually got bailed yeah. out in private. And yeah, yeah, so that's a whole other thing. They they ended up paying a lot of money privately. So, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's usually where it ends up, right? What did you yeah. what do you usually find, you know, for these pre-approvals? This is I'm just curious because I've seen both. What works best when you do the pre-approval mortgage amount? Say, hey, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Realtor, the mortgage they're allowed to have is, you know, 500000 And so then they can do the math and say, well, they have 100 down. And so we can, you know, 100 plus 500. Okay, that's 600000 Or is it to say, hey, assuming a 20% down payment, you can afford why, right? So doing it kind of that way. I think the latter I've seen a little bit more, but it also gets funky when it's like, well, I don't have a 20% down. I'm doing 5% down or I have a bunch of money. What what do you see works works best? Honestly, I typically see the second option, like you're saying. Yeah. And that's yeah. like the option I got when I bought my house. It's like you can afford X based on the down payment you told me you would give. So that's an interesting... I, I've never actually like run stats or like asked people which would work best. I mean, probably the one that would have the least amount of error is like you can afford this much mortgage. I guess, because it's like, that's actually what the broker is doing for you. They are giving you money from the bank. But then the purchase price is how the realtors work and how the houses work, right? Like they don't care how much money. I think it's honestly how the borrower works, right? Like, you know, the people aren't, yeah. yeah. Then they're going to have to do math, be like, okay, so I'm approved for 500 grand. This house is a million. So like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's probably, yeah, it's almost, I don't, I don't even know if I've ever seen, you've mentioned you have, maybe I have too, but. It's not common if, if uh, it's kind of say the loan amount. Yeah. You know, I think a more every mortgage broker would say, hey, I want to, in my pre approval letter that I give them, say the mortgage amount because, like you said, that's the work I'm doing. That is what I'm approving you for is the mortgage amount. It's not a purchase yeah. price. But on the other hand, every other player in the transaction only cares about the, about the purchase price. And so, yeah, I guess it comes down to, 
you know, how you run your business. Ultimately, though, I think in general, the best practice we see is, hey, meet the customer where they are, right? You don't, you don't tell the customer to adjust how they think to accommodate yeah. you. You know, it's, it's usually the other way around, right? So that's probably why we see it more. And try some um, new things too. Like I'm seeing a lot of brokers now text that maybe you said this already, but text that like SMS their clients pre-approval reminders and even the realtor that seems to be really effective. So especially right. with younger generations buying and a lot of them not really checking email as much or whatever, that's a really good way to do things and set yourself apart too. It, it's a little personal. Yeah, okay. yeah. We've talked about the efficacy of the text messaging. So or efficiency, I should say. Yeah, yeah, and and, and make, make the email. You always start simple, right? It doesn't have to be too complicated for those yeah. types of things. You Does talk about education and efficiency. Mean the same thing? If, no, no, they're different. Okay, okay that's <laughs> good. I switched it. Okay, what does efficacy mean then? Efficacy is how effective it is, and then efficient efficiency is, is efficiency. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's my learn for the day. All, All right. right yeah, is that we do at the end of the week? We do like our weekly learn at our company here, and so. That'll be That's massive. That'll be mine. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to look at you with like, you got three eyes. <laughs> Maybe to wrap up, one thing you talked about at the beginning, I don't, I, mean, I want to make sure we talk about it. I don't want to miss it. It's just education, right? I mean, it's uh, such like, I don't want to say a buzzword because it's not really, but it's, you know, sometimes people roll their eyes when they hear it. It's like, yeah, no, I know I got to educate my, my clients, but let's talk about it specifically in this market right now. You know, what, what should people be educated on? I mean, one thing I'll say take the first crack at it is to say, hey, yeah, we're pricing in three rate cuts and that's what's going on right now. But it might not, right? Like that's kind of the scary thing a little bit. So, you know, I heard rumors, you know, or whispers, so to speak, of people saying, oh yeah, no, you know what? Give me a pre-approval assuming two rate cuts because that's what it's going to be when I'm ready to ready to buy. It's like, we don't know that, right? We can make all the guesses and the Bank of Canada can maybe allude to it and the bond market can price it in and all these things, but it might not happen, right? And I think that that's, that's maybe one of the biggest messages I think borrowers need to hear right now is to say, hey, you're pre-approved, not for what the rates will be, but the rate is today. And hey, rates might change. And if a rate changes, this honestly goes back to our previous conversation, is that as rates change, I can pre-approve you for a new amount. And maybe you should be proactive with that, right? But you can't assume these rates are going to change, right? Because that's how you get caught with, well, in a situation like you described. Yeah, I was going to say like the, a lot of people do do what you're saying. Exactly. Like telling people rates can change and like these aren't guaranteed like forever and they could go up yeah. or down. But I think just telling your clients like, okay, so they get a pre-approval or pre-qualification from you and now they're out shopping. If they find something a couple months down the road, like don't assume that, and maybe this is what you're saying, but like educate them to reach back out to you because things can change pretty quickly. I mean, yeah. they are, they were almost changing quarterly or semi yeah, whatever bond market, time. it was like every yeah. month yeah, it was crazy yeah. yeah because at the end of the day you want to get them a good deal they want a good deal so educate them and also just educate them of how i i think it's valuable at least at a high level to educate them like why this is the case and and just give them a bit of a story on why like what a rate hold is so they kind of understand right. what you're doing a lot of them are just like what can i afford and they don't really understand that there's an expiry on a lot of these rate holds that things can yep. change in the rate holds if you all of a sudden have less down payment, it can affect things or more down payment, it can affect things. So anyways, yeah. No, absolutely. And I think I think one big misconception too is like people like, I don't want a pre-approval today because I think rates are going to go down. And like we just talked about, we don't know if that's going to be true or not. 
rates yeah. could go up, right? And that's kind of like maybe the, I guess one of the great things about a pre-approval is, okay, I, I lock in the rates today, whatever it is. If the rates climb up, you're safe, right? I got you. I, got, I locked that in and, and you're not going to be hurt. And if rates go down, well, we could switch. You don't have to use this rate, right? And so I think that's another thing that I think is really valuable. A lot of buyers, if they are serious about buying, should hear right now to say, hey, do you know what? This pre-approval doesn't mean you're not going to be able to take advantage of rates if if and when they come down, right? So yeah. I think that's another big one, just to, just as an FYI, right? And that could be the difference between the, a client coming back to you versus going back to their bank, right? And next time they want to have a conversation. So totally. any, I guess, final comments, Mass, as it relates to you know marketing and stay in touch with your clients in today's market specifically? Honestly, I think we've covered it. I, I don't have anything yeah. anything else, yeah. You follow these tips and I think you'll be in, in good shape with keeping on track of your clients because pre-approvals are only going to keep going up, I think, with the market hopefully shifting. People are going to get curious and want to get back in. So, totally. yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for everyone listening. Really appreciate the time you took to, to hear us talk a little bit. I hope this was useful. If you do have any comments, thanks again, Freddie, for, for all that you, you've done for us. And that, you know, we'll be in touch. Absolutely. We'll bring you on for the, for the annual drum lesson. We'll have. A- yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you guys. If, if you want to put a plug for our. I'll do uh, my best. I'll see what I can yeah. do here. Because <laughs> we're, you know, we're going to be Joe Rogan soon. So if you want to put a plug for your oh, yeah. drum lesson company. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll put it together. I'll send it over. Uh, okay, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, yeah. enjoy Texas. It's great having you. And uh, yeah, have a good one, everyone. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.